the planning and zoning work session on housing will come to order. Uh, roll call. The planning and zoning work session on housing will come to order. Uh, roll call. Hisman. Here. Maybe. Here. Brenna. Here. Outcall. Here. Kern. Here. Hansen. Present. All members present, quorum is established. And uh, now we'll go to here, citizens present. Um, if you could come up, state your name, and if you could summarize uh, your recommendations to the assembly on housing in the first two sentences or so, and then go ahead and go on with your comments. So we can start anywhere. Sam, would you like to come up? Wendy? Good evening, Wendy Anderson, Skagway Citizen. Um, thank you for tackling this issue. It's huge, I know, and there's no easy answers. Um, I only had time to review a few of your um, three points um, that each of you submitted because some of them were added to the website later. Um, I did want to remind everyone um, that on um, Rocky's suggestion of opening up the property um, on 11th and Broadway, that property was designated uh, for senior center, senior housing, um, as opposed to a public sale thing. So um, when you're considering that, um, keep in mind that was designated for senior usage. And in 2016, the city did vote, the people of the community voted to approve a $6 million bond to fund a senior committee or a senior center and housing. And how great would it be right now if that had been done? And we had those seven senior apartments um, rather than seeing our seniors in apartments that are being sold out from under them. Um, so I would highly recommend um, we start pursuing this um, through the municipality. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, go on next, Jonathan. <clears throat> John Hillis. Um, yeah, the senior housing thing is a, a great point. Um, so I spoke at his last meeting a little bit about um, incentives and I've thought further about it. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but uh, it seems that we could do a lot better job of encouraging businesses to build high density housing that will house their own employees. We can do that with tax breaks. Um, I didn't get a chance to look at your guys' uh, things on the website. I apologize. So if you covered this already, I apologize. Today was very hectic. Um, and then also incentivizing um, lots and empty properties, whatever you want to call it, to be sold by encouraging tax breaks, encouraging development, encouraging, um, uh, whatever you want to call it, rehabilitation of those sites um, fiscally to extend that for a period of time or whatever. There is a uh, bill that I think Alaska is kicking around that it's 
about blighted properties. And it has in it a couple lines. I don't really like the penalizing side of it, but it has in it a couple lines about offering incentives for a couple years to certain properties um, to help get them useful to the community. And I really like that idea. I'd like to see us start encouraging the type of growth that we want to see in Skagway. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Charles? No? Uh, Jesse? <clears throat> just just go in order. I don't know everyone's. No? Sherry? <clears throat> Sherry Cornington, private citizen. Um, I do want to say something first about the fact that the the three suggestions from each member came out last night and this morning. So that really didn't give the public much time at all to be a part of the brainstorming process. Because of that, I'd like this meeting, my request would be that this meeting have a little bit more opportunity for the public to weigh in as the meeting progresses. I think that would be fair given the last minute nature of all the statements. Um, you know, when we write letters to the assembly, we have a cutoff time. And if, you know, if it doesn't make it by what, 24 hours before noon, the day before, whatever it is, you know, this gives us a little bit more time. Um, as I did go through that, there was one massive red flag, and it was regarding the Long Bay, the Naku uplands. This area has been set aside as a conservation area, and in my understanding, it was, um, this is a non-negotiable. It's not for residential use. This is a conservation area where people get water from. This is a place to go and stay connected to nature. Um, so I just say, take it off your radar. Um, I just ur urged this board to review the 2030 comp plan before it's all kind of in there already. You know, recommendations about high density housing, um, numbers of what we need in order to meet the growth that we had up at the time of, you know, 2019 when we had all these amazing work sessions. Spruce Root knocked it out of the park with this. I still believe that we need to address capacity, and I will say that at every single meeting I attend. Um, you know, the, I printed this out and I kind of feel like I want to just read the 2030 comp plan, <laughs> you know, there's, there's sections specifically about planning and zoning and what we need to do. So one of the big things that we needed to do was establish a task force, a mayoral, tra a, a mayor appointed task force for housing, which would, you know, be planning and zoning members, civic affair members, and people from the community. So we're not, you're not all doing separate things. You know, I'm, it's great to see 
the um, civic affairs committee heads back attending this. And I would urge that planning and zoning, zoning members attend as many civic affairs meetings as possible. So everyone's on the same page. Um, I guess I'll just leave it at that, but I really want to just read all this because it's right here. Um, one thing that I do want to point out and want to say, you know, as I was reading through this, you know, there was the idea of bringing water and power over the bridge um, so we can have, you know, another RV park, other housing, and that's been taken up by Public Works. I think it's time for Public Works to rein it in. They're all over town. And there's plenty of property that's being utilized um, that could be utilized by another organization or taken down for housing in the future. And that was also listed in uh, the objectives and action section of the comp plan. So it's all there. Um, and I know this is this is tricky here. Um, but I think we need to start thinking outside the box. You know, when you're looking at lots to build a home, you, know, you can shrink a lot and put a tiny home on it for half the price of building a full house. This gives people an opportunity to have something for themselves while they're building their own worth. And then they could build something on a larger lot, take that tiny home to that lot and provide year-round housing. So we have to start thinking about things differently than we have because it's not working. And here we are because of it. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, I can't see who's next. Uh, no. Honey. <clears throat> Hello. Uh, good evening. Anthony Montero, uh, uh, Skyway resident. Uh, forgive me. I just heard about this this morning and am here. And so I'm, I haven't had really even had a chance to process and really, really kind of think my, my thoughts through. I've been working all day. So that being said, off the top of my head, uh, my biggest concern, my biggest issue is why locals are being displaced in favor of outside work. This is our hometown. Um, and it bugs me because not just because of, of the practice, but now it is beginning to directly affect me as our household is considering taking a local in that is going to be displaced. So not only do we feel it as a community on the whole, but like, Individually, that's just the tip of the iceberg of what, how it impacts us. You know, if you're forcing one local to bring another local into their home, something's wrong. The, the housing is way too disparate in this in, in 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 this town. Locals should be given priority for housing. Period. We live here year in year out. We're the ones that contribute to keeping this town alive. And I granted, I know I'm very fresh and 
honestly, I haven't done much contributing to the town due to my own personal health issues and so on and so forth. However, that has allowed me to be able to not be part of what's been going on and to be able to kind of sit back and have an objective eye. And I'm seeing locals gouging locals. Why? For the money. And I've noticed that this is what this town is all about. This is my assumption over the last two years, two and a half years of living in this town. People come to this town, they rape, rob, and pillage, and then they leave. And we have to deal with the aftermath even in the off years or, or off season. And that's not fair to us. So I guess, I guess in short, locals need priority housing. Uh, I'm doing work for a company that's coming into town that's taking over two separate properties, but it comes with its own housing. I don't see a problem with that. Great. How's your own people in your own properties? Displacing locals isn't the answer because all you're going to do is chase them away and it's going to be even less people that run this town. Oh. Anywho, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Mike. Mike Healy, uh, business owner and concerned citizen. Um, I've just kind of thrown some notes here. I just got into town um, very recently, so I'm a little unprepared, but um, I just wanted to, and this is really is more directed maybe towards the assembly, but um, I think PNZ should be a part of it as well. If any more land comes up for sale, which I think it needs to on the city's end, I think the last land lottery is a perfect example of what should not be done. Um, you know, there was no restrictions on that. Um, you know, one, and, and this, I'm not, this isn't a slight towards the people who purchased the land, they were just following the rules, but one is a recreation property and one was bought strictly for speculation. And I don't know if it's been sold or not, but that's, that's their plan. Um, I believe that any land moving forward needs to have very, very strict um, guidelines on it. Um, for example, it has to be built on within two years. If you, are really serious about it, you can pull that together in two years. And I don't mean just built, I mean a certificate of occupancy, because otherwise you're going to end up with a bunch of halfway built houses, et cetera, that really maybe never come to get completed. But I think that's, it's very important to put that on there. Um, I also think kind of as, as Sherry mentioned, a, a shift in mindset where, you know, I was on planning and zoning years ago and it kind of seemed like everyone was talking about how we didn't want these extra buildings in our backyard, in our neighbor's backyard, because it brought more density. We we need density. I mean, I also think so along the, the lines of anything that's a new sale from the city's end, I think first priority should be high density and required to be high density. Um, that's your quickest bang for your buck is on the city's end, in my, my opinion, to get some of these, um, people out of ridiculous housing situations. Um, it's not going to be easy and I don't have a good answer to 
make it easier, but you know, the cost of building has gone up what 30, 40% in the last five, six years, uh, maybe long, maybe more. Um, I, I honestly don't know how people are going to be able to afford to build a lot of these structures. You know, it's going to be businesses that hopefully have a good amount of money in their bank account or under their mattress or whatever, because, you know, interest rates are high. Like this is not a, I guess where I'm going with this is kind of shifting gears. There is no easy solution on, on the, you know, several of you own rentals, you are in construction, you understand it. This is, this is going to be very difficult. If today I went to the bank and said, I want to build a 18 unit apartment building, it's going to cost me, I don't know what, $4 million or something like that. They're going to say, okay, we're going to, where's your $1.5 million down. And oh, by the way, your monthly payments are going to be outrageous. You know, your interest rates, whatever. It's just not going to be simple. And I think you guys know that, but I think I just want the general audience to understand that this is not, it's not cheap and easy to build. And, and I don't know what the city can do to help that out. Um, you know, and, and I guess the, to, to back up really the, what I think the biggest bang for our buck as a city is, is an RV park. I mean, that's, that's how so many people lived for years. I moved here. I lived in a tent for my first summer and then I lived in a terrible camper for two summers after that, you know, for 400 bucks a month, whatever it was. But that's how so many people have gotten their start in Skagway. And that's how many people have survived here. And I think that's kind of the only way it's really going to work out in my opinion. Cause like I said, those $4 million buildings are not going to happen very frequently. There's just not a lot of people who can pull that together. Um, so yeah, anyways, that's, that's kind of my general thoughts on it. And yeah. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Michael. Michael Yee, concerned citizen. Um, thank you, Mike. That was uh, well put. Uh, I think the cost of building is outrageous these days, and uh, putting we're going to have to do what actually Sherry says is to start thinking outside the box and uh, to um, maybe be radical about some of this. Um, I hadn't thought about the RV park. Uh, that is a very simple solution for short term. Um, I, I, and if that's what's necessary, then that might be a, a, a short-term fix. Um, I would like to suggest that we take the long game, though, in the end, and and maybe look at some different models. Uh, if we look at the model that Vienna has taken since 1919, um, they have been able to house their citizens cheap and with dignity and elegantly. Um, and it's not a perfect model, but I encourage this committee to look into it. It's, they've been in the news quite a bit lately because of, of their, their model of, of housing um, and creating, for the lack of a better word, public housing 
But uh, I think looking at that would be uh, um, important for us going forward. Uh, what we're doing now, opening up land for residentials or for residential building, we've been doing that ever since I've been here, and that doesn't work as a solution to our housing problem. So putting energy into that is is I don't think that's a good place to put our energy. I agree with Mike. There's a lot of speculation when that happens. Um, and there would need to be more restrictions if we're trying to solve the housing problem. Um, loosening restrictions on zoning. That works, but it's also very limited. I mean, all these things are great, but they're limited. It's like... It's like using a teaspoon to bail out a sinking ship. And we need to kind of be a little bit more radical, think outside the box. Um, housing, our housing problem is not the problem. It is the symptom of a larger problem of unchecked growth in this town that we don't even control. So... Although we need to address the symptom, we also need to address the problem. And that's another, a whole nother kettle of fish. Anyway, that's, um, that's my spiel. I would like, again, I would like to encourage you to look up the model that Vienna is using. And uh, there are some great articles on it. And, uh, and maybe we can bring that into, into, of the problem-solving mix. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, any other speakers in the back? Alex? Hi, Alex Waddell. Um, I'll start by thanking all of you for taking up this important issue, thanking all the people who came here today to speak to it. Obviously, it's a very important issue to the community, and so it's great to see people tackling it. I thought that everybody had really great ideas um, in what I saw in the public packet. Um, I would like to speak a little bit to the Garden City aspect that I saw mentioned a few times. I'm sure everyone is probably aware, but in case there aren't, um, there is a resolution this upcoming Thursday at the assembly meeting coming up in regards to the Garden City RV Park. Um, in um, Mr. Hansen's suggestions, he mentioned perhaps reviewing it, making sure it was co-compliant, and um, Commissioner maybe suggested maybe even supporting it, which I would love to see. I presume that there is a question about what I think is code 1906030, which has some um, um, uh, which lists out that RV parks need to be 60,000 square feet. And perhaps there's concern with the current resolution in its face of not meeting that. However, I would just like to mention that this is currently, as it's listed for the resolution on Thursday to go forward, it's for overflow parking. And it's not saying redesign this RV park to be a half size one. It's saying use it for overflow for Poland Creek. So I guess what I would like to see considered in regards to that specific problem, if it even is one, um, is that what do we define as overflow? I didn't actually see a definition, but I mean, are we talking that it's a parking lot with a dump site where people wait for a spot for Poland Creek and 
you know, I know that we've had RVs overflow at, say, seven pastures on certain events and things like that. So just something to consider. Um, also, as um, Civic Affairs is also spent a lot of time on this, um, I would just love to see the two committees not competing on working on the same issues. There is so much with housing to work on um, that ideally it would be great to, not to double our work and to work on different things collaboratively. So in the spirit of that, um, Commissioner Kern mentioned something about housing trusts, which is a really interesting topic that I find very exciting. And I will be bringing that to civic affairs at the next meeting, just letting you guys know that. Um, and I would also like to share just a couple of things in case anyone didn't catch the last civic affairs meeting on this, but I spoke to some of the things that I learned Valdez was doing. Valdez um, has taken a very proactive stance with dealing with their housing problem. They are geographically very similar to us and have similar issues. And some of the things that I thought were just notable that I'll share with you are that in their general commercial zone, they've changed it so that anyone can use the general commercial zone, have a secondary use as a house for housing. So all general commercial can use housing as a secondary use. That was one thing they did. They also allowed ADUs in every district or every zoning, every zone um, allowed for ADUs, which was just very interesting as well. Um, they also purchased blueprints that they, they think they have four sets of blueprints that they're giving out to citizens who want them. And I'll leave it there because I know it's going to be a long meeting, but I just wanted to say thank you again for tackling this. And I look forward to working with the community as a whole and everybody together on this very important issue. Thank you. Uh, Michael Vondette, uh, citizen and business owner. Um, Mr. Healy hit on most of my points, but a few things I wanted to add. Um, I think affordable housing is a big thing that we're going to need to work on here. And if there's any land that becomes available on the other side of the bridge, if getting utilities over there, I think is going to be the very first hurdle and public works. I'd really like to see them get that done sooner than later. Um, but the two things that we really need that RV park, we, we desperately need an RV park. Uh, when those spots went away, local businesses reacted and started buying up as much housing as they possibly could to house their employees and hence put us in a bigger crunch for year round people to find housing. If we open up another RV park, I don't believe it'll hundred percent fix the problem, but it will get us in the right direction and it should ease up and make more housing available for year-round folks. Uh, also, I would love to see uh, a trailer park in this town as much as a lot of folks don't want to see that. I think that's our solution to affordable housing. Uh, I'd get a lot more folks into homes that couldn't actually afford one. Otherwise, you can get into an RV or a, uh, a full-blown mobile uh, home for about 150000 versus most of these stick-build homes are looking at 400000 plus, And that's just affordable for a lot of the folks that live here. Um, and then as far as the Garden City stuff, I know that we were talking about that in a different session, but I think I'd really like to see those lots be half size lots instead of 50 by 100. I think 50 by 50 would be great for those that'll afford more folks to be able to build homes. And once again, more affordable, and that'll keep people here in Skagway. Right now, I think everyone's getting priced out and ah, that's that's all for now. Thanks.
Thank you. Hi, Charity Pomeroy speaking as a private citizen and a business owner. Actually, before I speak for myself, I want to read some uh, something that was sent to me by Tina Sear. She would like uh, read here. Um, she is watching. Um, what she wrote is, it's a shame when a seasonal business buys an actual home for summer housing and then winterizes a real home that could have could have a family in it year uh, slash year-round resident in it. The point I'm trying to make is that seasonal workers could live in a construction trailer work camp. They don't need a home. They just need seasonal housing. Seems like it would be more economical for anyone that has land to bring in some construction style trailers. Maybe some would be opposed to the look of a bunkhouse, but the point being is that camps like that can house lots of people. Private rooms and bathrooms even. No need for heavy insulation, winter homes. I know it's not easy, but just wanted to put forth the concept. Um, I know the city should not be in the business of offering rentals, uh, but they are the ones with the land. Um, she even threw out the idea of movable trailer camps. Um, uh, uh, let someone bring in, uh, bring one in for a 10-year lease. Um, also, the city could once again allow people to put trailers in their yards with proper sewer uh, water connection again, but it should be for a five-year waiver. Um, before that, it was a three, but after paying for water sewer to a spare lot, that barely pays before the time is up. Make it at least five years. Um, now, speaking for myself, I, I fully agree with that waiver being extended as someone who has potentially an area to um, put an RV for someone. Uh, the the choice um, economically didn't make sense uh, when I was able to, because there was only one year left on the waiver and I wasn't sure if it was going to be extended again. And so if that waiver just for now for a short-term solution could be extended maybe a little longer than, I think it's actually two years, isn't it? Uh, I think that would be something that could help us in the immediate um, while we build up to having, what is it, 150 new dwelling spaces uh, in six years? Yeah. Um, I um, really like something that Mike Vondette mentioned. Um, I know a lot of people are opposed to the idea of trailer parks and Skagway does not have a trailer park. The municipality does not, but the federal government does. They have one on Dairy Drive and it's fantastic. <laughs> and there are areas for that sort of uh, zoning. I mean, there are, there are ways of placing those and requirements for those um, that make them more available to citizens and also ensure that they look great. Um, I know back in the 1990s and early 2000s, people were living in just about anything here. And uh, I will tell you, we all look back on those days, those of us who were living in very odd situations in Skagway, with joy. <laughs> you know, uh, people brag about living in a wall tent 
uh, out with a satellite phone that they had to hook up to a car battery. Um, I mean, we don't want to create slums, but we do want to look outside the box. Keeping in mind, though, and this is something I hope you really um, are looking at as you're coming up with your ideas and, and discussing things tonight, we have the ability to make choices here um, with unintended consequences. As Mike Vondette pointed out <laughs> as well, um, we lost uh, the ability to use Garden City. It's, it's, it's so unusable because of its water and sewer issues. And um, when that was shut down, then we lost locals. And that truly is a direct consequence. Um, there are choices that can be made here that will benefit only those with the greatest amount of money. That will not benefit uh, locals, potentially, if we just plan uh, for uh, those who have the, the biggest ability to build, because we don't want to open the city um, or turn the city into a seasonal town. This is a local town. And we have to keep our year-round locals in mind in all things. I, I know, Rocky, thank you so much for like throwing out uh, a, a big outside the box thing. Why not open up Naku Bay? Absolutely not. That is a non-negotiable. But we do need to look at, uh, we have all these areas in town that can be um, built, that can be rezoned, that can be used differently. And, uh, and I'm talking about city-owned land um, or city-zoned land. Um, oh, shoot, that was my point. Oh, but the unintended consequence of, like, um, why Naku Bay is a non-negotiable, because that is taking away a necessary sacred space for the locals, a necessary uh area of conservation. Um, um, we have those all over. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you very much. Thank you. <clears throat> Linda? Melinda Munson speaking for myself. Um, Charity mentioned that we don't want to create slums, but the reality is we all know we already have slums here. Right. Let's be honest with ourselves. Um, I would spend a lot of time in the mornings with the newsies down on the docks talking to seasonal workers, and they would tell me things like, "Well, I didn't get to shower this week because there's not enough hot water because there's so many people crammed into my um, employee housing. Um, I don't know when I'm going to shower. Maybe I'll make it to the rec center. Um, I have a kitchen, but I can't use it because there's not enough room in my fridge. Or I have a kitchen, but I can't use it because I can't get to the stove." So I think for us to think that we don't have already have subpar housing, um, we're not being honest with ourselves. Um, so I think that you one, two, three, four, five, and I'm going to include Ryan, six people up there, and the next few years are going to be our six very most important people in town. Because if we can't get housing right, we don't have a town that's worth living in. And again, speaking for myself and not for any other entity. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments? Uh, hearing none, 
we'll move on to the discussion items. And um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask the uh, drafters, the proposers of their individual recommendations to the assembly to present their idea in a one to two sentence format as, as if it were a recommendation to the assembly, then uh, we will either include that on a consent agenda in the following regular meeting uh, for planning and zoning, or if anyone objects to and doesn't agree and thinks more discussion is needed, then we'll discuss the item here mainly for the public, but the effect of that will be that the item will go into the next meeting, the regular meeting of planning and zoning as a regular item that'll, that'll be debated. Okay. So, um, and to start, I'd like to start with uh, the permitting official, um, Stacy Fairbanks, and she submitted a really excellent article on uh, attached or dwelling units uh, that had some very good ideas. And I wonder if she'd speak briefly about that. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, this article was given to me um, and I, I read through it. I found it very valuable. I want to say that, hey, um, I think the Planning and Zoning Commission, the assembly hasn't done some things right. Um, uh, there is, I, I try to go back in the history of what has changed in code and um, a lot has changed for the accessory dwelling units. Um, for example, the maximum size for dwelling units, uh, the um, size for parking lots that, uh, that became smaller. Um, there is a code change for utilities, water and sewer connection to the main house for accessory dwelling units. Um, basically, there's things we've done right here and I compared in this article with what other Alaskan cities have done. Um, and I think we're on the right track. I'm kind of a true believer of, uh, accessory dwelling units as uh, one way to solve the housing crisis uh, because we have a uh, lack of uh, available land. And another um, thing I believe in is because again of the lack of land, building up whenever possible, um, changing a little bit uh, on the actually topic here for accessory dwelling units. Um, and listening to everybody, I actually want to say that we have different social groups that we're talking about who need housing. We have seniors, we have first-time home uh, buyers, and we have uh, residents, year-round residents who not necessarily are going to buy a home. So uh, if a first-time home buyer wants to buy their home, then we're talking about affordable housing, which in Chicago is not very affordable. Um, and then the people who would rent, um, we talk about possibly possibly building up multiple dwelling units where uh, multiple families will um, live there, but they're not gonna be the ones who own the building. Um, and this is as 
Mr. Healy said only big really companies can afford to buy uh, buy a land and build multiple dwelling units like 10, 15 or 20 units. So for the local homeowner, um, I really encourage people to look at accessory dwelling units. I actually I'm considering it myself, really, building up above my garage. Um, but I am a true believer that this this can be very helpful to our housing crisis. Um, and I hope you read through this article and then you like the the ideas. Thank you. Uh, are there any comments uh, from the uh, commissioners or Assemblyman Hansen on this article? Thank you, Chairman, uh, and thank you, permitting official Fairbanks, uh, for doing the research of things that PNZ and the Assembly has done to try to encourage building uh, brick and mortar and seasonal RVs and people's yards. Um, there has been a lot of work done over the years, and thanks for looking that up. Um, it hasn't all been just passive. I know it seems that way that uh, to the community that you know the, the government's not doing enough. But I think there's also a point where it's not necessarily the government and it's it's the people. And we do have some ability here with land ownership, with zoning changes, with laws. But I think more than anything, this comes down to who's going to build it, who owns the land, who's going to meet the housing needs. And that you shouldn't always look to your government to do that. I think that has to come within, within and it has to be done by, you know, it's great to see this many people in the room at this time uh, in January. Because all of you are year-round residents. You wouldn't be here otherwise. You are here in January. That qualifies you for my book every day of the week. But I think when you, you know, you say, what is the assembly going to do? What is planning and zoning going to do? I think a lot of that comes down to what are the people going to do? Because I do agree it is a crisis. And, um, We have some pretty good ideas here. Some of them are all came up independently, and I very much uh, think uh, Chairman Brenna came up with a very good format for this to move forward. And I particularly like your idea of the consent agenda so that things can advance or be debated. Uh, so a big, big applause for you for bringing this forward in the format you have. Thank you, Assemblyman Hansen. Uh, you know, I, I take the comments um, that the materials that were in the packet did come in late, some of them. But uh, the way this meeting is designed, uh, the materials will, in their uh, totality, will end up at the following regular meeting. So you will have the opportunity between now and then. I don't know the schedule for the next regular meeting, but uh, they will be available uh, for two weeks or something for everyone to review. And a couple of things I'll say, too, about this. I'd, I'd recommend everybody read this uh, Dwelling in it article. There's some really good uh, points in there, um, some of which are, in Juneau, they have uh, grant-based subsidies, and they are offering, uh, in Juneau, 13,500 uh, grants for up to 16 homeowners annually to be used in this program. 
they also offer uh, subsidized loans, and uh, they this type of program can consider uh, tax abatements on the dwelling units themselves. So the way that would work, if you build a, a dwelling unit, whether it's attached or not on your lot, then you would not pay a real property tax for a given number of years. I know in Tacoma, they have programs like that that are uh, in the 10 to 12 year range that is complete tax abatement. So uh, they also offer uh, tax, or I mean, in incentive uh, for design. If, if people don't have the money to uh, go see an architect and see whether or not uh, how it could be attached and look right, these types of things. So really good article. And so if there uh, are no objections, I would like to um, move this item to the consent agenda for the rec uh, next regular meeting. So hearing none, that will be moved to the next regular meetings agenda as consent item. And, and just to be clear, uh, the items that go on the consent agenda at the next meeting, there's still another bite at the apple. So if anyone decides uh, at that point that they've learned something more or they wanna change their mind about it and debate it, they can uh, call it out, object to it. That item will be moved from the consent agenda to a regular uh, discussion item and it'll be debated and voted on individually. So the next uh, item is um, the ones, the uh, suggestions from Assemblyman Hansen. Uh, would, would you go through them one at a time, if you don't mind? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, my first item is to increase the accessory housing uh, maximum to 1,000 square feet in all zones. Uh, I was met with the clerk today trying to remember where this evolution of this has gone, because I know it was brought to the table and I don't actually remember how it did not pass, but um, I, I feel as if you maintain all the other criteria and increase um, the accessory housing um, up to a thousand square feet, you will have a lot of people interested in building in their backyards. They may be tall and narrow. Um, they'll still meet the setbacks, but I don't think that uh, drastically changes the nature of residential general, certainly not business general, light industrial. Um, Second one, uh, and, and Chairman Brenna and I both had this uh, independently, is uh, change the conditional necessity of, of dwelling units in light industrial to a principal use. Uh, currently, for housing to be built in light industrial, it has to go through a planning and zoning review, and that can uh, be prohibitive, uh, certainly can be prohibitive of how people view their property or want to change their property or buy property. Um, and so I feel that, you know, making that a principal use that any type of dwelling unit is a principal use. And that was something I think it was discussed by a couple different people here. Uh, the third thing I came up with was in, in, in where this cross street is, I'm not set on this, but a particular in uh, Commissioner Colt, I think, also had this in, in generally listed in his uh, thoughts. 
is to change the properties that are east of Broadway. Um, it could be from here north. It could be from 10th Street north. But change those either to industrial or light industrial or to business general. Um, that I think a lot of the properties here to the railroad tracks already are basically business or industrial. They but they they border you know the railroad. There's quite a bit of you know industrial interface that many of those properties have, and quite a few of them already are light industrial. Um, I think if you're doing this in a sweeping move. It's not spot zoning because you're reclassifying an area um, rather than an individual house. Um, and the last thing I have here is uh, just to really double check that uh, the resolution 23-30R that's coming up tomorrow is compliant. And I did meet with the, with the clerk and, and um, we did some quick math. And if you take one of those blocks, say it's uh, block 95 of Garden City, 12 lots at 5,000 uh, square feet per lot is 60,000. Um, so we're good there. And that doesn't count the alley either. Um, so in terms of that being non-compliant, um, it, it is compliant with our code. What's being proposed uh, in resolu resolution 2330R. Uh, I also did have some correspondence from um, someone who had formerly worked for White Pass and now works for the city. And they were curious as to what it had happened with Hanasek RV Park and that what I did verify is that is also 60,000. The former Hanasek RV Park is also 60,000 square feet. So in terms of that being a problem with code, it is not um, the old campground. That could be an RV park at any point. So um, I just want to say that clearly. And uh, those were my my suggestions. Thank you. Thank you, Assemblyman Hanson. Uh, are there any objections or discussions on any of these items? Chair Brenna, uh, could I just ask for a clarification too? Because um, when I read the assignment and what was sent out to us was to bring three ideas for improving or addressing the housing issues of Skagway. So I'm not necessarily um, thinking of objecting or proposing something straight to assembly from this first meeting um, in that way. So I was just a little bit confused about that as far as the intent of this meeting to tackle such a large issue. Um, I don't necessarily see an action item happening at the end of this meeting. I think that we need to take the input and take the consideration. And so one suggestion I would actually like, since so many people didn't get to hear what was put into the packets, is just to bring some of those ideas to the table. I myself am not married to any one of my ideas. I hope I find a lot of mistakes and errors as I go forward. Um, but that we need to start thinking about this, like people said, out of the box and make sure that that's forward. So, yeah, I, you know, I take your point. I uh, this meeting isn't to recommend it to the assembly. This is to recommend it for the consideration at the following regular meeting of the Planning and Zoning Commission. Uh, from there, we will either uh, make them into recommendations or not. Um, on on uh, Assemblyman Hansen's um, recommendations, uh, I would object to three, and I would like them moved into uh, regular business items because I think they all merit individual discussion. 
and the, and those are number one the maximum size uh number three the classification of either business general or light industrial that's that's a question um so that we would need to discuss and and come up with an answer to there's distinctly different property types that are allowed in e each of those zonings and then finally the I'd like to see a discussion of the RV lots. And so, um, so without objection, I would move item two, the light industrial change of residential dwelling units from conditional use to a um, principal use to the consensus agenda and the other items to the regular agenda for discussion. Can you repeat that one more time just to make sure I understand what you're after? Well, I, I objected to uh, three of Assemblyman Hansen's uh, recommendations, uh, mainly just to put them on the regular uh, docket for discussion and those are one three and four and then i put item two the change as he wrote the residential dwelling to allow single family duplex and multifamily to be a principal use as part of the consent consent agenda thank you so <clears throat> And we'll move to Commissioner Maybe. Um, and if you wouldn't mind on, on yours, I, I see we're going into some detail, but if you would either begin with the recommendation or end with the recommendation, uh, um, uh, we'd appreciate it. Okay, yeah. Um... Thank you, Chair Brenna. Uh, yes, so I did, you know, I obviously interpret this to bring ideas into a working group, um, maybe a little bit different format as far as that goes. Um, but one thing I did spend a lot of time going through last several weeks is a comprehensive plan. So it was great to hear that brought up by the community members on um, the complexity of this housing issue. It's obvious there's no easy fix. There's a reason we have the issues we do. Um, I do think and uh, encourage that the commission um, to review that thoroughly and look at the action plan. And, you know, we're kind of, because of the pandemic, it was written for 2020 through 2030. Um, we're about four years behind um, when we talk about development of buildings that was supposed to be well underfoot at this point. <laughs> and so we're coming there. Um, and I do encourage the focus on rentals and senior housing. Um, so that is one recommendation is that we um, try not to redefine it and to look at that and look at the guidance that's in there because I see a lot of answers um, or maybe direction that we're, I'm not seeing the same in um, even my own proposals tonight. Um, I will take uh, one, I think, for uh, Gardens of the RV Park. I happened to attend the um, Civic Affairs meeting, so I do think that it is um, advantageous to not duplicate efforts. So I think designating a liaison from PNC to attend and vice versa um, is a very good <laughs> idea um, that we can make sure that we're um, working in tandem and working in the same direction and not um, 
by flipping that over and over again. Um, uh, this is a wild card. So development to me, I think we do need to look at what we have existing, um, looking at those family homes. I like seeing what Tina Sear had to say. Um, many people here is making sure and ensuring that we can develop as many properties as we want, but if we lose 40 properties to seasonal housing and we build 40 properties, we're in the same spot and we have less space to develop. So we do need to definitely look at our current infrastructure and our code um, for consideration of how we stop that. And I think it's important to ask Skagway, what do we want? <laughs> are we a seasonal town primarily or are we a local community? Because we have to head in somewhat of one direction or another of which one is going to take priority. Um, as far as building goes, though, I want to throw this one up there. So block 104, lot six used as a community garden for to 2008 and through 2023 with a conditional use permit going in effect in 2020. There was a resolution put last four, last year, 2218-R, designating the personal land USS Nine and four, lot one as used as a community garden. I feel it is advantageous to move all community garden resources to the new location. Um, my request there would be for planning and zoning to support the move of the assets from that block and open up the land for development and consideration between the MLS and school and encourage development for multi-family residential units. I know that's been on the docket uh, for 16 years. I spent fighting to keep that space as a community garden, but now we have a location that's more ideal. Um, and permanent, which has always been the loophole there. So I do see that as a lot that should go back up for consideration. Um, I've seen it potentially become a water tank and a lot of different things. Um, I I think housing is probably one of the best uses for that. And I would encourage um, maybe some exploration of that parcel of land. Thank you, Commissioner Maybe. Uh, so... I'll move those items uh, to the consent agenda unless we have any objections to the any of the individual items. Um, no, nobody. I, I have again a couple comments. Uh, I know that the housing uh, where the community gardens are. Uh, or used to be, um, the assembly approach, uh, the school, when I was on the assembly and requested that land for uh, housing development, and we were turned down. So that's uh, one thing. Uh, another comment I'd make in general about the garden, uh, it's, it's great that there's an acre set aside uh, and I think it's it would be more effective probably if we would use the acre for something that uh, would be in support of housing and go to a plan of uh, patchwork gardens throughout the town on little pieces of land that uh, could be close to whoever might garden them. Um, and couldn't be used for other things. So that's always been my thought on that. I'm not stuck on it. I think it's great that we have a garden, but we also have a serious land shortage. Uh,
Another thing uh, that I hear a lot and the one of the points that Commissioner Maybe made is the, the differenti differentiating housing as uh, if you allow seniors to use housing or if you allow uh, seasonal workers to use housing, then it's not available for others. And uh, I'm one that does not agree with that. I think that if you put more housing in place that you'll see some shifting, but you'll see uh, an increase that's beneficial to everybody. And there is a there is a, a level if you put enough houses down where everybody will have their uses satisfied. So I don't think we need to focus in too much on this has to be um, senior housing, this has to be seasonal housing, this has to be first time home buyer. I think if we just allow the process to take place, that the uses will sort themselves out. So with that, uh, I'll move uh, all of these items to the to the regular agenda for discussion. Chair Bennett, can I just make one clarification? Um, as far as that goes, I don't separate senior housing from uh, rentals or single income home families or family units. Um, year-round locals, I'm looking at that, but I'm also looking at those demographics that have a harder time getting housing and that we're actually looking at a huge increase coming up in 2030 for a need. And so those are identified in more vulnerable populations, but I would separate that and just, I just want to make sure the public understands is definitely a definition between local community and seasonal housing. Yeah, point taken. Thank you. <clears throat> so uh, the next um, items are, um, Commissioner Kearns, if you would read through them and discuss them. Hi, thanks. Um, so I guess my first, I just would like us to define whether or not we're, again, kind of echoing Commissioner Maybe's uh, sentiments, whether or not we're tackling a seasonal housing issue or year-round, because um, I feel like while the solutions are similar. There are different paths to both issues. Um, and I do strongly think that we need to really look at the comprehensive plan to address the housing needs because like many people have said, it is spelled out in there. Um, so I think we should definitely um, pay attention to that and work in conjunction with the comprehensive plan that exists. Um, I also think that there are uh, some ways that we could um, brainstorm uh, incentivizing like existing landlords and landowners um, to uh, potentially visit longer term or year round leases. Um, so year round locals and um, aren't losing out to seasonal workers then rentals are staying empty in the winter because that doesn't help anyone um i also think that there's a definite issue of improving the existing housing that is in this town because as we all know there are quite a few unsafe places that people have lived uh my first summer a thousand years ago i lived in a four foot by four foot plywood box with no window that had a barn door. And when you open that door, there was a door to the left and a door to the right. And there were two people on this side 
and two people on the other. Uh, there was a smaller than twin size bed that my closet was over and I had a DeWalt propane heater attached to the wall and I paid $400 a month for it. Um, so that's where I started. <laughs> um, thankfully I don't feel like that exists anymore, but we all have been in some pretty sketchy housing situations, uh, in our lives, especially in Skagway. Um, so I think that there needs to probably be a closer look at existing housing and maybe improving that and making sure that that is safe for people to live in and making sure that the businesses that have seasonal workers are providing safe and sanitary housing for their workers and aren't jamming 20 people into a four-bedroom house. Um, my biggest, I guess... Uh, thing that I would like to explore is the concept of a housing trust. Um, I will definitely look into the model that Valdez has. Uh, the one that I was looking at specifically is the model uh, that Sitka is using. Um, and right now uh, they have six different blueprints available for uh, people to choose from. And uh, basically, they acquire the land and build the homes, and then the deed of the home is separate from the deed of the land. Um, so the trust will maintain the land, and then the owners purchase only the actual house. Uh, should the homeowner decide to sell, they're limited to only 25% of what the house is, like the appraised value. Um, but it seems to be working really well for Sitka, and in Sitka, they only have 14 miles of drivable road. So if they can figure out how to build houses for people, I think that we can probably look at what they're doing and um, learn some things. So that's all I have. Thank you, Commissioner Kern. Uh, one comment I'd make on the housing trust, which I think uh, could be a very good idea, is that uh, there There are a few in the state that are operating, um, including one that they have the acronym APP, uh, that I guess in 2023 made uh, six loans, I believe, to a variety of different uh, communities. And uh, so, you know, so I'm not sure if what we're doing, we're gonna request here is to form a housing trust ourselves or if it would be to participate in a housing trust, which would be um, probably much easier thing to do. Um, so the next uh, person, oh, I'm sorry, the, uh, these items, I, I refer them uh, as regular items at the next uh, regular scheduled planning and setting meeting. And uh, then we'll hear from uh, Rocky Outcult. I to turn this mic on. Um, I'd just like to thank all of you for being here. I did a head count earlier. There were 30 of us in here, 30 people, and maybe a couple more showed up. I don't know. A few have left. That shows me that there's some interest in this community for this meeting, and I'm grateful that you showed up. All of you um, had good ideas. And I think it's important for all of us to, 
I've never, I've never been in a setting like this for a work meeting. I, I'm going to voice that right now. We've always sat down there and we were a group of people. We were all sat as one, one group of people, not us up top up here and you guys down there. We were all just a group of people in every work meeting I've ever been to before. And, and I've been on this planning and zoning commission for almost 15 years off and on. I've never seen it done in this style, but welcome to the world, I guess, the evolving world. Um, we all have different ideas. We all have suggestions. Charity, you have some great ideas. Um, I was impressed with those. Sherry, your ideas. I don't agree with capping, but I have something to learn from it. So uh, I wanted to listen to what you have to say. That was important to me. Um, each and every one of you had something important to say tonight, and I'm grateful for that. Mike Vondette, good points. You know, I'm grateful for you being here, um, and I think we need more of this. I personally have some ideas. I threw out some ideas that probably sparked some interest, obviously. Um, the city owns some property all over town. Two of them that popped up is one that I see every week when I go to church. So those two lots next to us past that hedge, if I can get see past the hedge that's there in the way, um, are those two lots. And yes, they were. They were brought up for, they were reserved for senior housing at one point. Nothing has ever happened with that. Um, we had a rock slide, probably had an issue with moving forward on that at some point, and it probably still will now that we're spending all of our money down on the docks. But it would be nice someday to have senior housing somewhere in this community. But there are lots like that um, scattered all over town, that, and the city owns a number of those. I think it would behoove us to have the city relinquish some land so that people who can afford to build and as they do so that land should there should be some stipulations on the amount of time they take to build something and get it up and functioning and and usable but that's one one suggestion i had um changing zoning ordinances was um is important um Mike Vondette has a piece of property bought. He's put some buses and some RVs and stuff sitting on it. It's in light industrial. If he wants to build a building on that light industrial, I think it's 15 feet. Is it 15 feet on each side right now? Or 10 feet? It shrinks his building so small that he can hardly have an industrial building on that industrial lot. Um, if we could change, if we could address building codes and setback codes to allow him to build a building there, maybe put housing on the second floor. He can still go in and take his buses in there. He could wash his buses on that property. It is light industrial. Um, we have a mountain right here and we got a mountain over there. We have four blocks, an airport and a river, and then another mountain. We've only got so much size and we've got to be able to bend, change some rules or bend some rules in order to use this property to create housing for this community. Um, I don't like, like I mentioned the other night, I don't really enjoy having someone in my yard all summer. Charity, like, do you want to put an RV maybe in your property? Um, it costs a chunk of money for me to get my sewer hooked up in order to do that. 
and to put in the proper electrical and a, you know and I did it so I had to get a new meter and all of that that all cost a bunch of money to get that set up and I think that extending that use of that that RV hookup in individual yards for now for five years or whatever it takes um, to offset those costs that we have to incur in order to do that that's important um, I appreciate those remarks but that's something that needs to take place. The city needs, if the city can, we need to sell some lots that the city is sitting on. That will solve some of the housing issues. Matthews Creek, I know that's a very tender spot. I like it out there myself. Um, I thought if we kept the land, just, just my thought, and I appreciate everyone else's thoughts on it as well. If we keep the land on the beach for everyone, then we that's also a nice place to just take off and go walk though walk back up and behind the cabins and just go get away so i understand that if we're looking for lots we've got to be able to give up some things as well um, there's land scattered around town that's sitting vacant right now some of those some of those chunks of land can be used um i'm going to have someone parked in my yard for another summer don't make hardly any money off that but at least it helps solve some of the housing issues. The last thing I had was on Garden City. I know it's a huge thing right now to go and clean up Garden City, clean up whatever kind of sewer and water issues there are. I have no, I'm not positive how bad those are or how good they are. And um, until it's opened up and every drain is flushed and checked out, we wouldn't know. And that's going to cost some money to handle. If we took that park one section at a time, like 17th Street to the alley, to the first alley that would go through there, maybe just take one section at a time and develop that either into lots to sell or maybe into RVs or maybe into people can just park there for the summer in RVs. That would be a possibility. It wouldn't be such an expense. A year or two down the road, do the next section, then do the next section until we have the park completed. Or maybe sell some lots off and people could build some residential homes there. Or right on State Street, we could build some high-density housing. Let a land developer come in if he chooses to, to develop something, someone who has the money to do that. Let them come in and do something like that. But I think those are all options that we need to look at and, and have an open mind and an open And I think we all need to listen to one another and really hear what each person's saying. I think that's very important. And so I appreciate your remarks tonight. And thank you for being here. Thanks, Commissioner. Uh, do we have any uh, debate or discussion on these items? I'll refer these items to the next regular meeting as, as regular uh, new business items. So next in line, Gary Hisman. Okay, um, knowing that our assignment was to uh, just kind of list a few things to bring up to a potential uh, uh, consent and consensus building regular meeting, I kept mine very brief. Uh, the first two, discussion of Garden City RV Park and discussion of potential RV Park across the river on municipal property, 
were big items that we discussed not too many years ago during the comprehensive plan discussions. Um, of course, since then, we've had COVID and a rock slide, and a lot of this stuff kind of got uh, uh, pushed to the rear a little bit, I think, by the by the assembly. And I would like to see us bring these up in, uh, at, our, at our meeting and uh, uh, get back on to uh, discussing them with uh, civic affairs, the assembly, whoever it takes. Uh, the last one, discussion of a municipal land north of the uh, Gold Rush Cemetery uh, to explore feasibility of seasonal campground for summer workers. Um, I'd like to amend that. It got a little bit, uh, it should be a little more general. I don't, I'm not really tied to the land north of the Gold Rush Cemetery, but whatever land could be found there. Uh, there's that old paintball site up there. There's other places we could look at. Um, other communities have even what you would call a, a tent city for a lot of their seasonal workers. And I'd like to see us explore something like that. I don't think it needs, it can be quick and without a huge amount of uh, uh, cost to the city. Uh, a little bit of site uh, site preparation and perhaps some porta potties or something like that out there. So I'd like like to see a discussion of that. That's it. <clears throat> Thank you, Commissioner Hisman. And uh, we'll place those items on the next regular remaining agenda as individual new items. And then uh, final items are uh, my. Uh, recommendations, uh, the first of which is uh, speaking generally, it's talking about spot zoning. And I think that we should recommend that the assembly uh, not spot zone properties. Spot zoning is the antithesis of comprehensive zoning and the comprehensive plan. Um, what is spot zoning? Spot zoning is making some changes to a parcel of land contrary to the written municipal code. This is done pretty regularly and it creates a precedent that is very hard to ignore when another landowner comes to the table and asks more or less for the same thing. So there's a procedure that the assembly can follow and should follow, and that is if they think that the rules uh, for properties in Skagway should be different, uh, they're the legislative body. They should change them legislatively for everybody and not for the benefit of one single person. So uh, that was my first recommendation. I had some specific recommendations uh, in the general residential zone. And uh, they were to uh, <clears throat> to move the multifamily dwelling apartments into permitted use, three or more units. And to, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but if you do the density calculations on the numbers uh, at the top where they say 26 units per 40,000 and they go into that, they don't match further on in the text where it goes on to say different densities. 
So my proposal suggested making it 1,500 square feet per unit, and that would be across all units. So if you have a single lot, it's 5,000 square feet. You have 15, you're allowed 1,500 feet per unit. You can put a triplex on a 5,000 square foot lot, and you just continue that math for two lots. You could put six units and, you know, goes like that. Um, I also suggested that the minimum setbacks that someone in the code changed multifamily side yard setback from five feet to 10 feet. Well, if you have a 5,000 square foot lot, it's 50 feet wide. If you have a 10 foot side yard setback, you're left with a 30 foot building. A 30 foot building is a real tough design. Just imagine a building that's, that's 30 by 40 as a footprint. Well, if you were, you could put it in one direction. Uh, if you had 10 yard, 10 foot setbacks, you could put it in the other direction if you had five foot setbacks. And you, you could allow for a lot more parking uh, and more efficient design with five foot side yard setback. And then I suggested, uh, partly uh, because of uh, suggestions from the prior assembly meeting, that uh, we should take a look at. Uh, coverage ratios. And uh, for this residential general zone, um, I propose changing it to 70% coverage. Now, what you have to keep in mind on coverage is that there are other things that are gonna dictate coverage, like the parking requirement is an area that can't have a building on it. So uh, setback requirements are areas that can't have buildings on them. So there are, in the code itself, there are natural constraints to coverage. So I don't think, you know, it's currently 50. I don't think 70 is, is out, of, out of bounds. Um, and finally, the light industrial zone, uh, I'm suggesting as Assemblyman Hansen did and as uh, uh, Commissioner Outcult did that uh, residential dwellings uh, be moved in light industrial from conditional use to a permitted principal use and uh, that the setbacks be changed to five feet and uh, the rear yard set, set back 10 feet. So this will, and most of these suggestions, I think all of them are applicable to the land on, uh, from the bridge in. So these areas of light industrial that I'm talking about are same areas that, uh, Assemblyman Hansen is talking about rezoning to either light industrial or uh, so they're on that side of uh, the east side of Broadway. Uh, and, and just to clarify one thing, uh, Commissioner Outkelt said that uh, Mike Vondette's property is not zoned light industrial, zoned uh, residential general. So uh, those are my comments, and I'd suggest they be placed on the uh, agenda as regular discussion items. So are there any further comments from the assembly meeting or the assembly commissioners? Planning and zoning commissioners? <laughs> uh, I did have a question, I guess, regarding um, one of uh, Commissioner Maybe's points, and that was, um, 
for the community garden, 104 lot six, block 104 lot six. Um, I guess would there, it, I'm wondering if just looking at it and what it's being used for currently, if it would be at all prudent or even worth talking about the other five lots on that half block. Because right now I, I get that it's part of the school and I get that it's a field, but I don't think it's really being used and utilized how it was intended for. Um, and that's really 12 lots that aren't really being utilized to what they could be. So I would go so far as to say that, yes, that there's one lot that's being used as a community garden, but there's also five other lots that could be utilized as something. Um, so I would maybe add that, not add it or to the consent agenda necessarily, but add it as a topic of discussion. Uh, thank you for that. We're already beyond that in our agenda and that's added to the regular regular meeting you can bring it up as a discussion item then any further comments in general on uh on housing in skagway hearing none the meeting is adjourned